Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. Um, hope everybody's having a good day. And we will have a fun show, but there is something that I want to just talk about just for a few seconds to say how sorry we are about the shooting in Texas. And um, I've done shows for, I think, so almost 14 years now, and I cannot tell you how many times we've had these things happen. And I can't not talk about it just for a minute because it's just so sad. We need to make some changes, so I'm hoping this time will make the difference because having little children and teachers, this is it's too scary for everybody out there. So... Uh, think about how we all need change and we could all work together would be a great thing. Then we could maybe get together and have a world that we used to have because right now it's pretty scary for everybody. So we're going to sit back and enjoy the show, but I, you know, because that's what we need is entertainment right now because anybody watching the news, it's, it's real, it's very sad and it's really tough to watch. So right now we're going to just, Jen, did you want to say anything? Uh, no, no, just go okay. ahead. No, no, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, because I, I asked Kristen, said, you know, to, we would all say the same thing, is that we just hope that this doesn't happen again. And uh, so now we will start our show, and um, I have two guests on. Well, actually, Kristen will be co-hosting with me, and Jennifer Hilt will be on. So um, all of us are writers, and... Um, we write a lot, and we write different stories, but we watch TV a lot. And all of these shows, these Hollywood shows that I have, I mean, there's so much out there, and thank goodness, because people, this really takes your mind in another direction so you can relax and the anxiety can just move away. Because the anxiety that people are feeling now, I've had so many conversations with people, and we've had shows talking about it. But I think that's what helps everybody just be able to adjust to what's going around. So I think today is the time we're going to have some fun talking about some of these shows, the old ones, new ones, characters. And I'm going to, uh, yeah, you know, and I think, you know, how to make good characters and how to make these characters last forever because a lot of people are watching older series that were great. And the thing that made them great is characters. So let's have fun today and talk about all of these things. So what do you want to talk about, Kristen? you got anything? We, we talked about a few oh. of these things. So much. I mean, there are so many great new things, but I have gone down a show hall, and I have been binge-watching Falcon Crest. I have gone full out. I'm back in. I told my husband, I said, if you ever inherit a winery, 
I'm going to know what to do. I'm learning. <laughs> How many seasons are there? I don't. I mean, we watched it on a weekly. So, how many seasons? I'm gonna have to check that. I'm not sure. I yeah. know it went There's from. A lot. I think there, 80, there probably were a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think it started in '81 and it went to the '90s, maybe '91 or something like that. 1991, something like that. But yeah, it, was, it was around for a while. And Jane oh, Wyman, like I was saying before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Jane Wyman. I mean, what? What an actress. What an yep. actress. That little smile that she does, you know, when she's getting something over on you. I mean, oh, there were nine seasons. Nine seasons of Falcon Crest. Yeah, nine seasons. Um, yeah, Jane, Jane Wyman was like in so many things. It's hard to, it's hard to make, you know. She's had, she was in so many th- Some of the actresses from years ago, uh, they were in movies and movies and movies, and then they, and then as they got older, luckily enough, they found series that they could be in, because otherwise they would have been yeah. like gone. Yeah, the Falcon Press picked up a lot of them. They had Caesar Romero, because I remember my dad telling me like that's the original Joker from Batman, you know, and Lana <laughs> Turner was on there. And there were a lot of oh, I you know about of, her. well. Yeah, yeah, there were a lot of big actors that went to, like, Falcon Crest, Dynasty, and, and Dallas. Oh, and the Colbys, too, because, you know, there were quite a few. Barbara Stanwyck, you know, was one of the main people on the Colbys. I love Barbara Stanwyck. Yeah. <laughs> I love her, Joan Crawford. They had such strength. Jennifer, how do you feel about that? They have such strength of care. I mean, these people oh. just brought so much out there in their oh. characters. Yeah, no, no, they were great. I remember um, when Falcon Crest started, I was a teenager, so you, so you can see how old I was, but um, that not only did I get hooked on it, I hooked my mother on it. And she was like, I'm not going to get hooked. And then it was funny because she was just as bad as I was. She's like, when, you know, when is it on? And, you know, we, the, I remember the season, the season we really got hooked was when Maggie was between the two brothers, Chase. Like, she was married to the one guy, whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But then she fell in love with his brother, who was supposed to be kind of like, I think, the black sheep of the family. Am I remembering that right? <laughs> you, since you've been watching it more, Kristen, I don't know if that was still happening in the later seasons. But it was one of the first things where I was like, oh, love triangle. Like, that really yeah. keeps you hooked to see who she was going to wind up with. See, and then that, know, that, goes to like, that goes to, like, your book about tropes. So when you say love triangle... How, I mean, think about all the love triangles in all of these. <laughs> there are so many. Yeah. Like, wow. who loves who? Who loves who? Yeah. And yeah, I well, also, Dynasty. Um, yep, Dynasty. And the really, um, and like a lot of, I also would watch the daytime shows too. I wasn't like just, you know, a purist and watch them at night. I would watch them after school. <laughs> and I remember right. some of them would be like, <laughs> all my children, it would be like, the protect, like one of the main protagonists, Erica, she would like have relationships with the, the same triangle would reappear every. I don't yeah. know. That's like that's like Bold and Beautiful. Like I watch Bold and Beautiful. My mother yeah. used to watch oh. it when she was sick. I started watching Bold and Beautiful with her, and you know right. it's it's so interesting right. how they keep going back to the same person. Can they get more, like Young and Restless? Right. They add people. They add some people. Yeah. In Bold Maybe and Beautiful, they keep going back and forth. You know, to the same people <laughs> in different ways. 
Yeah, yeah, er, yeah, Erica. My dad would talk about um, when I was little, pushing me in a stroller, and I would be telling him what happened on all my children that day, and he said all the neighbors <laughs> would hear me talking about this and stuff because I started watching them very young. Like people will say, like, how do you remember some of this stuff? Because I can go way right. back. But right, that's why right. I wanted to become a writer because when I was little, mm-hmm. they would do so many cliffhangers. They don't really do that on soaps as much, but they would do a cliffhanger and not mm-hmm. come back to the storyline for a week. Like Nina Cortland yeah. was in a plane crash, they thought. Oh, yeah. They thought with yeah. her new boyfriend, she had left Cliff for this new guy who was played by Jack Rambo. There was a plane yeah. crash. They did not go back to that plane crash. All you saw was the wreckage and everyone wondering, oh. thinking, you know, she might be dead. And so I took, I couldn't take it, okay? I took my Barbie dolls, and I had Cliff come save her. A week later, we found out she wasn't in the plane. The hospital doors opened, and Nina was standing there, but Cliff had moved on with Brooke. But oh, you know, yeah, that's they, how I right. learned about it. You know, that's what they, actually, they did it on every episode, but, like, now they do that on a weekly basis of, you know, because you could tape them now. So, you know, um, not tape them, I mean, they go, you know, they're on demand. So... I, I my you know we're set to watch I'm set to watch it but every Friday you know they're going to have something happen that's going to bring right. you to the next week and then sometimes they don't even go back to and <laughs> you go well what happened and yeah. but you could right. you know even though you know the plot and you know what's going to happen you still watch it <laughs> yeah and I and yeah. I you know yeah and on Facebook they have a lot of groups apparently and oh. they really. Yeah, I I couldn't believe it. They go like, well, we don't like the way this one is dressing. We she looks bad in this. I mean, they go to every last detail of these stars. Yeah. You know, and that's why I'm sure a lot of these stars, you know, they go, oh, she might look a little heavier. This one lost too much weight. This one's having a baby. You know, imagine these stars though. What they have to, you know, they do look at these things, even if they say they don't. It's probably hard for them when they say, oh, she didn't look good today. What happened to the yeah. clothes? You know, on Dynasty, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about that. Dynasty, the clothes were incredible. Yes, yes. I mean, there they, they were style setters clothes. in those years. In those years, that's yeah. what set the styles. We don't have that now. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, well, I know they, I um, the soap opera with um, spoilers. They do spoilers now for the last, I don't know, like 15 years and stuff online. And with yeah. on demand, they don't do. They don't wait a week for a cliffhanger. They like, you know, you might have to wait the weekend, but you're going to find out a little yeah. something. Whereas before, they uh-huh. used to like make you wait a whole season to find out and I mean, stuff like so that. Or it, like, it's really interesting, though. I mean, how people really, you know, that's why when when somebody says a book has a simple plot. That really is like a soap opera plot. It's very simple. And the older movies were the same way. It wasn't so complicated that you couldn't understand it. So I think, and the majority of people liked that because it was kind of like people's lives, you know, that happened in their own lives. You know, uh, I mean, that's what I think. It's very, it's weird how, you know, and when you're writing a book, if they say it's too simple, well, people really like that, though. Yeah. Yeah, I Very forgot true. we said the um, complex characters, simple plot. It's like right. one of those things that, you know, you hear a lot in, like, creative writing classes. And it took me a long time to understand to really get it, you know, because it would be kind of like show, don't tell. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's, really, it's really hard to do that. But when you do it, 
well and you hook hook somebody, you really have a fan. Yes, and how do you think that? I mean, they really have fans. I mean, that's what, you know, for writing books, I think it's very difficult. Kristen and I were just talking about that a little while ago. You know, I was, you know, I can't figure out how they get, like, books and they get so many reviews, like 5,000. It drives me crazy. I'm trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how do people possibly get 5,000 reviews? And, but, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and you look through them and you go, you know, and they write lengthy ones and whatever, and some write small ones, and they write, we don't like the characters, we don't like the clothes, we don't do this or that, or we don't like, you know, the the storyline. But years ago, book reviews weren't like that. Mm-hmm. But it's so, you know, this can turn people off, which is kind of sad in a way. After all the work people do to write a book, they add something in that has nothing really to do with even their book. It's just like something they feel like they want to say so somebody else won't read the book. Do you notice that about the characters, you know, when they're talking about it sometimes in some of these reviews? Does anybody know that they go off on tangents? For sure. Yeah, (laughs) nothing, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that would make, I don't think people, I don't know if they read all of this. You know, like when you, do you want to, I mean, like let's say in the soap operas, on a daily basis, you just watched it. You didn't think about some of the scenes. You go like, oh, this wasn't that good, but so what? Tomorrow will be better. But when people are writing books, they expect mm-hmm. every single moment to be captivating, and that's very hard to do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you, what, yeah, what I mean, do you think? Yeah, go ahead, Jennifer. What do you think about that? It's hard to keep the people wanting more. Yeah, of course. Of course, I guess it's just really, um, you know, you're you're just trying to do like these these little reveals constantly of like closing one loop and opening another. And um, I think it's Donald Moss who says like tension on every page, which you know is, is incredibly hard to do. But I was just reading um, Uprooted by Naomi Novik again. I've I read it before. It's a great like fantasy. It's kind of like in the YA family. I'd say I didn't know. If if Kristen happened to read it, but um, I think it maybe came out like five, years, five or six years ago. Anyway, but it is one of those books that's so well done. Like every page pushes you on. Um, you yeah. don't want to put it down. You don't want to do something else. And it's so, you know, I've been thinking a lot of like, well, how does this author do that? And really the characters are just incredibly detailed and complex and you just feel so entangled in them, but it's not a complicated plot of the story. It's basically like, you know, good fighting evil is, the basic plot of that right, story. Right, right. It's just great. So, I mean, see, that's the thing. There is no answer to this, you know, because you just, I mm-hmm. think if you're writing and if when you're watching, you know, like I'm pretty generous when I'm watching something that isn't that good. I keep going on hoping it will get better, and sometimes it does, you know, and I think mm-hmm. now people click off before they even, you know, sometimes the first uh part of the series isn't that good we i think we mentioned that last time the first part but then as you go on it gets better because a story does have a middle you know a beginning middle and end but people don't seem to when now when they're watching something it's not like years ago you'd watch the movie and at the end you'd go this was a good movie this wasn't a good movie but now it's like they'll watch one part of the series and go "Eh, we don't like it end of story but it Mm -hmm. takes time to develop a character which we all know yeah 
there's no attention span anymore to like give it some time. And sometimes I've noticed with pilots, you can tell when they've reworked them too much because sometimes first chapters, if you mess with them too much, they feel like a bad pilot where you tried to stick too much in and right, then, right. you know, it doesn't, it's clunky, it doesn't point. work. Yeah, yeah because there are some series, right. you know, like I was watching Outer Banks, which is kind of like a YA one on um, – yeah. action adventure type thing is on Netflix and the first couple episodes it took a while to get its feet to really get the, all the action and then it didn't stop and there's a lot of things like that where you have to give it a couple episodes um, mm-hmm. you know to like to get moving with it and stuff and then to really you know it really grabs you and stuff like that um, but mm-hmm. people don't necessarily want to give it more than one episode if they don't like it they turn it oh. off you know <laughs> see you know, you know, um, go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, I had read um, an article that Netflix was has, is becoming more and more known for action series after two seasons, and so then it's really hard because sometimes, you know, these things, like Chris was saying, you don't maybe find, it might not, there's so much on there that's overwhelming that people are, are finding these seasons, um, you know, after they, 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 they discontinued it. So it's like they want more seasons, but now everybody's, they've canceled all the contracts, everybody's off doing other stuff. Yeah, so yeah. It's just kind of a shame that there isn't a way to extend the shelf life for, for some stuff like that. Yep. Very I would call it happen. Yeah. Go ahead. That can happen with the babysitters club that they didn't really give it that much time to really after the second season to get that audience. And I thought that show was so well done. You know, it had the nostalgia mm-hmm. for the people that grew up reading mm-hmm. it and then all the, you know, the right. generation that followed. And they just didn't really mm-hmm. give it the time to find its place. Was that there are some, too? yeah, yep. The babies. I don't know where the babysitters club. Where was that, Krista? Where was that? Netflix. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, Netflix. You know, they have started to do a lot. You know, a lot of series, but they also have some, some. I should say this very lightly. <laughs> some movies, <laughs> because I'm looking for, and then I'll go. It goes. Oh, season. You know first part of the series, series one, series, you know. But, I mean, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. you can't almost find a movie that you want to see that doesn't have a whole series behind it. And so sometimes mm-hmm. I, I wish right. they would make more movies, and they are making movies, but it doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason. Like sometimes when you're on it and you're looking, for me on the phone it's easier. When I'm watching it on TV, it's like if I'm trying to find something, you almost can't find a lot of this. You know, sometimes you see something, and if you don't write it down, there's like 100 or 200 that come up, and you don't even know what they, you know, you can't find the one if you can't remember, let's say, mm-hmm. the name, you know, or any of the, because some of the actors are not well known, mm-hmm. you, know, like, you know, like in the older ones, the older movies, they had to have a major lead, you know, but they don't have mm-hmm. that as much anymore. You know, you don't, it's yeah. not recognizable sometimes, but you really like them. And I watch a lot of the movies from other countries, so I don't, I'm not familiar with the actors. So, and then sometimes, you know, the, the name of the movie, because of translations, will be a little bit different when you try to look it up. So I've had mm-hmm. to look up things like, okay, murder mystery set in Australia, set here, here, and I'm putting all the information, and Google can help you out sometimes with that. Yeah. I'm like, I don't yeah. know any of the actors in this. I was enjoying it. Hulu is really bad for showing, like, not showing you what you were just watching. I'll go back on there and oh, I'll be like, that, wait a minute, oh, I, that's, I'm in the middle of it. Drives, it drives me insane. Oh. It drives me insane because you can't yeah. find what you were watching. If you started watching no. something and then turn it off, 
then you go like, what was I watching? Because they don't have it on again, you know. And they like mm-hmm. right. Some of them Netflix kind of says continue watching. Mm-hmm. Not Hulu. Mm-hmm. They don't. And yeah. it's like, oh my god. Yeah. I thought it was just me. I'm like, why can't I ever get it back to where I was watching the thing I was watching before? I'm waiting for the next episode. So I was, I'm glad to know it's a systemic problem because I was thinking, what have I done? <laughs> well, I think with the, and also now the thing that Netflix is doing with the foreign movies, which is good because they are dubbing it, but they also have the bottom where they are putting the subtitles. Mm-hmm. But so mm-hmm. at least you can understand it because sometimes you're not, sitting there exactly watching it, and then you have no idea what's going on. Once you leave the screen, if there's subtitles, you don't know. That's it. You're done. You don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. But if they're also speaking it, you know, um, I was talking to Melissa, who does, she edited my last book, Melissa Smith, but and we also talked about Babel Cube. So Babel Cube is translating different books you know, uh, from different languages. So she brought out a good point, which, Kristen, you started to talk about in one respect. Now, if you write a book, and it's, let's say, a sweet love story, well, that's a simple plot, and the people that are narrated, that are um, translators, they will pick up your book because it translates okay. But if you have a different book with slang, and if it's a sci-fi, mm-hmm. it's not that easy for them mm-hmm. to translate it into another language like Portuguese, because that's a lot of the people that are on there, Portuguese, Italian, uh, Spanish. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones mm-hmm. that get picked up. And I, I, and she wasn't, you know, she was just saying it's because like a book like mine is a simple plot and a simple story where they can translate the words. But if you have slang or some very different kind of, like a sci-fi, they probably won't be able to do it in the best way possible because it doesn't translate well. Huh. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. that's, people don't realize, I didn't even, until she said that, because I had put another book, let's say, I put To Life on there, which is a Holocaust survivor story, and nobody has taken that. But all my romance ones, the Portuguese, Italian, they all seem to want to do those books and now it makes sense because it's a much simpler story and they can it sounds right and so now i guess with mm-hmm. when you're watching a movie when they're translating it and into you know and then they're talking it and then you see it on the screen it's probably very different sometimes too and yeah. that's what you don't think about i didn't think about it that much and until this until she mentioned that to me, is right because I see why they want it then because they're easy to translate, but not some books mm-hmm. can't right, translate. Just like, then there's this whole other industry of of translators where, like, when you only had trade, you know, paperbacks or or yeah. or books that were through a company, they probably had their own translators they worked with, and so this right. is a whole like totally different situation. It's yeah. a whole different, it's a new thing. It's, it's fairly, I don't know how long it is. I didn't know about it before. I had several guests on that were talking about it, so then I went on it. Uh, and some of the children's mm-hmm. books, they take fast because it's, they can translate mm-hmm. easily. You know, mm-hmm. and, but I do notice there's so much that it, and so many good, they're really kind of very romantic and good and, you know, they're sweet mm-hmm. little movies. And sometimes if, now that they are dubbing it, it's much easier for people. And they're dubbing yeah, it very good, a lot of them. 
Amazon does a really good job dubbing it. Back in the past, you know, they, they weren't always as great, but now you don't even necessarily realize. Just if you kind of watch their mouths, they kind of move a little different. Yeah, but they right. do a really good job. Yeah. And I yeah. found some really good shows from different countries and stuff like that and series that I've gotten to enjoy. So I think that's a good thing for, every, for everybody to, you know, because romance is romance. And murder is murder. You know, I mean, any of these things, when they translate over, it's still a good story. And that's why, you know, you have to be persistent kind of in in finding things that you want because there's so many now to pick from. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. I mean, it's unbelievable. You go on there, and that's what gets confusing. There's so many. But it's interesting that people are watching a lot of the old movies. I find that really a good, you know, I think old movies, I think we touched on that before, old movies are really good as finding character traits of how they are, and they stay straight through the movie. And there's something so unique about some of those, like you're saying, Jane Wyman was one of them, uh, Joan Crawford, you know, um, any of these older movies, Marilyn Monroe, any of the movies that they did, people really still watch them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had I had a good lesson with that with um, my husband likes um, westerns and I'm not really a western fan but yeah I know yeah. one time I watched with him from the beginning the good bad and the ugly and I was um, I think I I remember Clint doing these kind of um, you know the movies in the I think it was the 70s or 80s with the orangutan and like a lot of violence and stuff like that. And so I was kind of like, yeah. I'm not really Clint Eastwood fan. But this movie, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, I was shocked when we watched it. It was a fantastic movie, and it was three characters. That's it. And it was and very little dialogue. Um, very li- the dialogue was small. There wasn't a lot of dialogue either right. in that. Right. And but it was it was is, really yep. like the, the shifting alliances between those three guys, and it yep. was. So well done. It's one of my favorite movies to this day because I'm like, oh, so much done. It's just this, you know, they're they're all trying to get this one treasure, and they, and you know, just the it's like a soap opera, and that the circumstances, you know, keep changing. But I was really impressed with how how well it was done. Um, and it wasn't a short movie, but they just were really good at keep increasing the tension. And really a nice example of the, the complex well, characters. Well, like the Clint, East, Clint Eastwood, when he does a movie, he does a very, all his movies are really very well done. You know, um, mm-hmm. I watched Bridges of Madison. Oh, my God. I cannot tell you how many times I've watched that. And when I read the book, I didn't necessarily love the book, but I loved the movie because there's two mm-hmm. characters, Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood, and it's it's really hard to keep a movie going so well, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. all based on a lot of conversation in the kitchen, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And this is it's it's very hard to keep people watching something nowadays. And but in that kind of a movie and that kind of a setting, it's it's Meryl Streep and him, but it's very interesting dialogue and how they really in just one short weekend find the love of their life which is and then you know they then they let it go that's it it's over and it's just a couple characters have you ever seen it Bridget i have Madison. no i have oh you should watch it. No. it's it's honestly it's incredible it's really good he directed I'll, it to I'll us add it. it's a really really good 
story. Really good. And you can't. And it's two characters. That's what I mean, when he just said what? the three, I remember that, you know, because he doesn't, maybe, you know, in his movies, I don't know, like some of them, when you really think about it, there's not a whole lot of characters. He's just, he's very good on, you know, story. His stories are good, mm-hmm. you know, what that he does. And, you know, a lot of these directors and actors and producers, they can't do what he does because he does it mm-hmm. all, but he does it well. But most people, they, it's too much for them to take. And I, I think that's what's happened. A lot of them are directing, producer, producing, acting, you know, and sometimes they need to go back and, like, maybe get a director or producer, you know, because it's too much for them. They, not mm-hmm. everybody can do it like Clint Eastwood could or Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. You know, they have mm-hmm. certain unique yeah. talents. Yeah. You know. With the British Madison Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask if the, the book was was um, like first person point of view or or both p- points of view. I was curious well, it's telling about that. Story, you know, right? And fun. you know, when I first read the book, it was like you know, mm-hmm. I guess there's so many stories of where that came from. If you know, somebody, the guy that yeah. I, that was on the best selling list for I think like a million years. Yeah. And right. Um, when I read it, it was like. I just kept thinking somebody else, you know, somebody wrote it, but somebody found it like in a barn or something. <laughs> I can make it in my head. I'm thinking because it was very simple and it was okay. I, I mean, I liked it, but I could, I couldn't, it was on the best selling list for, I don't even know how long forever. Yeah, yeah. And, but when they did the movie, I don't think the movie did, I, I don't know if it did as well as people would expect, but I thought the movie was terrific. Well, after you see the movie, let let me know. About mm-hmm. what you think, okay. because it's just two people's life. I mean, there's a few other characters in it, but not they're not really in it. Mm-hmm. The, these kids are reading mm-hmm. the book, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. That right? They, the kids are reading like the letters and the and the things that from the mother oh. after she died, and that's how they tell the story. Oh, you know, there's okay. two, you know mm-hmm. they came to the they came because she died, and. That's how it starts out. She came, they came, and they're reading the book. And as they read the book, mm-hmm. all of this unfolds. So it's mm-hmm. really unique in every way, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's in the, and it's just like they're sitting in a kitchen, talking. Mm-hmm. But the and it's nothing major. It's just how they do it. Mm-hmm. And of course, the acting. Yeah, you no, know, the no, yeah, it's it's really it's really a very very good movie, and and it is hard to do a movie like that with just two people mm-hmm. all the time on the screen, right? And their thoughts, you know. And I think sometimes people mm-hmm. think that they I write with a lot of characters, and that's very it very it's really hard though too writing a lot of characters because you got to keep up with all of them. And and that's how okay. series are. Mm-hmm. That's why it's you know like you're saying about the series that's. Like Falcon Crest and all of them, look at the amount of characters in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, there's like a huge amount of characters, and the, most of them stayed on through the whole. E, even the ones that were minor, they brought them back mm-hmm. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were several you know. characters that came back as like a evil twin sister or yeah. something like that. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, they've killed off a lot of characters that they brought back. Like Anna Alicia's character, Melissa, you know, she was Mm -hmm. in that fire, and then all of a sudden now she's back. um, 
Yeah, they they should not not have killed her off in the first time. She was a great character, very complex, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and there was no one else that could have played that character. There was no way they could have ever replaced her. You know, she had the mm-hmm. the innocence, you know, but then there was like right, the villain right. side of her. I think yeah. that's why Falcon Crest um, worked too, because you know, like Jane Wyman, she could play very innocent, but she'd have this little like mm-hmm. smile. And you can yeah. never. She was kind of like <laughs> the Larry Hagman. JR character. You mm-hmm. could never, it looked like all his laws, you could never really get one over on them. They'd always find a way to cancel your loan, buy your business out from under yeah. you, buy your mortgage. Yeah. You could you never know, right. really get like, them down. <laughs> when, I, when I would always talk about things as I thought, that Larry Hagman, Larry, Larry Hagman, his role was, I think he was one of the most memorable roles ever. Because he got on that screen, and he all the way in every episode was this. Every line was believable only because they made him into like he was almost like everything he said. You couldn't take your eyes off of what he said, good or bad, you know, good or bad. Mm -hmm. And even when he was doing something that wasn't good, you still Mm -hmm. liked it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and that's smart. hard. That, that's hard too. Is to write a character like that, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the things that people like about watching all the older ones because some of these characters, you know, that like you say, Falcon Crest. I mean, look at the amount of mm-hmm. characters that were in there, and and even when they like Dynasty and Knots Landing, mm-hmm. they very consistent characters. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. the writing was good. Go ahead, Jen, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, but I think what made the, you know, the quote-unquote villains of, like, uh, Larry Hagman's J.R. and then Alexis Carrington on Dynasty, um, what makes them so great is because they have goals. Like, you don't ever wonder, gee, I wonder what she wants, you know? Right. Um, That's a good way to look at it, yeah. Yeah, and they're just, it gives them so much to work with, I think, when they do have a really specific goal as to you know, as opposed to sometimes the heroines or something where they get, you know, pushed around or whatever. But I mean I think I was I was trying to think of like, yeah, I mean it was always like with JR like you're like you know he's like thinking six ways how to get what he wants while he's right talking <laughs> to somebody telling him one thing. You know, I re- would remember you're just like, Oh yeah, but what's he gonna do with that information, you know? <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. and they took you know they took that family like I I happen to like I do this in my book now my series, the dinner scenes, when the family gets mm-hmm. together, that's mm-hmm. when everything happens around the dinner oh, table yeah. sometimes not with not not like you know with some of them mm-hmm. because they were different like Matt's Landing mm-hmm. but like Dallas when they were all together you know with the mother the father at the time and and all the kids and that's when you see. Everything that transpires never changes. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. the, the yeah. seasons go on, but their relationships, like Bobby, the brother, mm-hmm. and Larry, I mean, they Miss don't Ellie. change. Miss Ellie, yeah, yeah Miss Ellie can you know, always bring them back to earth. Yeah. Yes, you know, and mm-hmm. so I think that a lot of families, you know, when they do that in a movie, or if they, you know, 
like oh, well, Blue Bloods does that. You know, they sit around the table talking. Really? So I think that's, you know, that's it never gets old because people really want that. Even though you fight at a table, they don't, don't agree with each other. When you see a family constantly sitting down, you know, uh-oh, what's going to happen? Because you know somebody's going to get up. He's going to leave. Somebody's going to be mad. You know, somebody's going to be happy. Somebody's going to kick someone under the table. You know, that um, they shouldn't talk about something. But once you see that, that's the family, and that's what I think people strive to make a good story because that is a story right there. Just watching them on what they do, yeah. and when they sit down for yeah. dinner and really don't want to be with each other, a lot of them, but they're there and they have to. It's like a must, you know. It's not like in, like in the older ones, like let's say, you know, Father Knows Best, or they have all of these on now. And when I was doing shows during the pandemic, we would have people on, and they are they actually were, some of the guests were having their children watch these shows because they wanted them to see some of the values of years ago that huh. it's not the way it is now like Leave it to Beaver, all of that. It's so different. But people, kids kids are watching these older series now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's just a family, you know. And some of the problems, you know, with school, bullying, all of that, that is how it is now. But it's done in a very simple way. And little kids, you don't know the difference sometimes. What, you know, they're not parents and children's, how they react to each other's conversations is very similar to now. It doesn't change, mm-hmm. you know, when you're trying mm-hmm. to tell kids what to do, the good things and the bad things, you know. Mm-hmm. And everybody wanted to be like that in those kind of series. You know, they wanted a mother like that. <laughs> you know, what are you going to say? June Cleaver? Is that <laughs> June Cleaver? <laughs> everybody wants it. So I, I don't want to, you know, not talk about some of the things you wanted to talk about, Jen. Jen. So what what are some of the things that you're liking now? Um. Let's see. We talked. Oh, we were going to talk about Coda. Yeah. And okay. Then, let's um, talk about that for a few minutes. We could talk about that for just a few minutes. That's good. Uh, because it, it's about it's about a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. Family. Yeah. And I, what I thought was really interesting about Coda was um, it was such a straight up coming of age story. You know, because I had heard a lot of stuff about it, but I hadn't watched it yeah. until you had told me, and. It was. Just, I was really surprised that it was like not an unusual or new or or different slant on a story at all. But what made it unusual was the circumstances of of setting it in this yeah. family where everybody is deaf except for the the young girl, and she does all this interpreting for the family, and um, you know trying to follow her own passions with her growing up and and her love of music. And so I, I just thought it was really interesting that because it won a ton of awards. And it was really yes, it well done, but I was like, on the other hand, it, it wasn't really in any way a new story. It was just a different setting. And I for... think right, and I think a lot of people were thought it was going to be just a story about people that were deaf, and they go like, well, you know, they know what it would be kind of like, but it was not what people mm-hmm. thought. It was about a family. Right. It was about bullying. It was about community. Mm-hmm. It was about caring mm-hmm. for each other. It was about you know mm-hmm. being afraid to do things. And I think mm-hmm. that. That's why it won, and unfortunately, it was over. It was undershadowed. It was like it was what happened at the Academy Awards mm-hmm. that night with Will Smith left everything that should have been so such a joy to talk about, which was Coda. Mm-hmm. They didn't talk mm-hmm. about it. 
And every scene yeah. in that movie was a different kind of a problem that people, you know, and then, you know, you watch them work through it and with love, mm-hmm. you know, and it right. was so sweet and, and it was so real. And the characters yeah, and were it was, fabulous. They were, and it was really, um, I was realizing when I watched it, like, wow, you don't see a lot of movies where the married couple really cares for each other. You know, there's, right, right, I mean, that's they exactly like right, yes, tension. yes. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they had they had tensions like you know actual real people do, but they weren't yeah. in any way not devoted to each other. And I no. thought that was was one of the most unique things that I really liked seeing on a you know a major motion picture because it's not usually that way for what right. And you don't see that because they level. actually did love each other and they actually wanted to have sex and talked about it, yeah. which drove the right. kids crazy. You know, and yeah. so I think that they had so many good things in that movie that, you know, it's a s- simple story with a great, mm-hmm. with a great cast and a good feeling. Mm-hmm. When you when that movie was mm-hmm. over, everybody mm-hmm. was happy, and that's like the best yeah. thing a writer could ever want. Mm-hmm. Is that people yeah, watching it go, this is really good. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you could say about that. It's a really good movie. And it was neat With, to see, like the whole, the whole like fishing angle. Like it wasn't, it wasn't super glamorous. I think was the other thing I really liked about it. Right, exactly. It, like right. you really felt like you were watching, you know, this slice of real, of relatively real American life. And it wasn't um, some other things that were more Hollywood, which I enjoy for like the escapist aspect. But this was just kind of like, oh yeah, like I, I could really see these people like being neighbors and things like. And that's what it was about. Right, and, you know, if the world were like that now, you know, where people in the community would actually be there for each other, you know, and sometimes it takes a little work to get that, and that's Mm -hmm. what they showed. It wasn't overnight Mm -hmm. that everybody was, you know, neighborly, but then when they actually understood them and they actually Mm -hmm. tried and they learned from each other, so that that's mm-hmm. why it was so good because there were so many elements that you don't see anymore in a movie. Mhm. And that's like and so yeah, it won. No. So it it's interesting what wins the Academy Award and what yeah. doesn't. You know, it's a right. lot of the smaller movies that have a mm-hmm. this is interesting for authors. They should think about that. It's really not about the most intense uh, you know, special effects and everything right. like that. It's about the story, and that's what people like mm-hmm. is a good story. Remember when um, Up, remember that movie? It was a cartoon oh, with yeah. Ed Asner. Uh-huh. Was, oh, yeah. You know, I remember when I saw the movie, I'm going like, oh, this is so sad for kids. You know, you're watching it, and, you know, at the beginning, and then it was such a beautiful story, and it won, yeah. you know, things, you know, a lot of awards. But I think that's one of the things. When writers are writing, you have to just get to the heart of your characters and feel. If you feel something, then your reader will feel something. If you feel nothing, then they're not going to feel anything either when they read it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what I think, you know. Yeah, because you want people to have feeling. And, you know, as much problems as we have in the world, and we do have a lot, but the main thing is people really do love each other in a lot of aspects. And the warmth mm-hmm. that a person feels when they read a good story or watch something on TV, that's what's really good. That's what we need more yeah. of. Mm-hmm. I know, you know that I try when I'm 
writing a lot, I try to put hope in my books, that no matter what's going yeah. on, give mm-hmm. hope. And I was yeah. noticing when I watched the new Batman movie that uh, towards the end, that's a big message of hope, which you wouldn't expect to necessarily find in Batman, but the new one yeah. from Robert Pattinson. And also, like, with, like we were talking about once before about the movie Frida, about Frida Kahlo, you know, yes, that right. whole movie yeah. is about, you know, like the hope and great bravery and perseverance really and yeah, that's, that's one of my what favorite movies. Should have need to have right. They because you can't. You want people to have hope. You want them to mm-hmm. to go on. Even in writing, when you see all these people out there on Facebook and Instagram, whatever, they they want people to like their stories. And when they if they don't, people get so upset. You know that it's just I. You know I don't know. I mean. I think people need to really step back a little, wouldn't you say, Jen? How do you feel about that? Step back a little and maybe think about things now? Yeah, I mean, in terms of um, it's hard not to take, you know, things personally if you're talking about, like, reviews and things like that. But, um, I mean, a lot of times I don't even read them myself. (laughs) I'll ask somebody to say, read these. Let me know of the common themes. Like, if there's people, you know, if it's, if it's a bunch of people who everybody doesn't like a different thing, that's one That's one thing. Like, okay, that's just yeah. how it is because there's a lot of different people on the planet and whatever. Yeah. But if there's things where you like that keep coming up as recurring things, then I try to pay attention to that. But I honestly feel like it's easier to not physically read the words and just ask somebody else to read it to me. And then I can, yeah. like, think about it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's hard because they're – you know, the, our stories are our babies, and we put so much into them, but also we're, like, driven to do it. So it's like trying to kind of put on, um, like, an armor when you're ready to do that and, and and not think about it all the time. Because you still have to create. You can't think about, oh, well, like, you know, reviewer number five didn't like whatever. You just have to tell the story you're going to tell and get feedback and do, do the best you can with it. Um, but a lot of times I think we can't always tell, too, because sometimes I'll write something like, this doesn't make sense, and then that's the opposite reaction when I have, like, a beta reader look at it. So I think it's hard. I guess the message I'm thinking is, is try not to second-guess yourself too much because it's kind of like what Lindsay was saying where you can get, like, in a muddle where everything is almost like workshop to death the first chapter, <laughs> and there's no... Right, there. right. I think right. that's what Kristen yeah. just said. Right, it's everything. Try to throw yeah. it all in there. Yeah. And because you you just... Sometimes when you're writing, you just want them to be involved in everything, but then that's hard. If you try to do everything at once, then where do you have to mm-hmm. go after that? You know, what can you right. do to keep it that way? You know, and I don't think it's that possible to do that. And I think that the reviews, yeah, uh, I know Kristen and I talk about this a lot, the reviews. So what's your opinion? How do you think, Jen, that all these these people can get 5,000 reviews? How is this possible? I'm still, this is one question yeah. I, there's no answer to, and I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, How do well, you think it's possible? I think it's got to be people who make a list because, like, when I've seen reviews that have that many, um, it's usually, like, either a trad pub book that's been out or if it's um, an indie book, then it's been around for a while. It's not usually things that are so um, recent that have that many reviews unless it's a super established author. I think that's the one thing is if you're dealing with a super established author, then they've got, like, street teams and people that, you know, really – are engaging with 
readers through like Goodreads, yeah. Facebook groups, and things like that. And I think those kind of things can help. But for the average author who's like just trying to produce work and that takes enough time and energy and then work on marketing, like you don't have, I don't think it's like normal to, to have those kind of things for those of us that are like in the trenches. When you get to a certain level, it's I think a different story, but I don't I, I think not to be overly concerned with it because you really can't control it, you know, um, what kind of reviews you get. You can leave arcs and, you know, you can ask people for reviews, but you can drive yourself crazy trying to like get that you know, number to move on the dial. Right, right. Because it doesn't to a lot of people and, and that's the thing, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's so much, you know, there's so much to learn as an author, but when you are actually writing all the time and getting decent reviews and you see your book not going, you know, because I think if Amazon would stop that, it would be so much better for authors. You would have authors that won't quit because I think people really, you know, a lot of people get very upset by that. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of the actors, you know, and a lot of things we're talking about right now, they didn't have all these people reviewing everything and saying, mm-hmm. you know, talking about it like on the Internet. They, You know, they'll go like, oh, we didn't like that, we didn't like this, we didn't like that. And it's hard to take because, you know, some people are watching things that they really don't like that style. Like let's say they don't like romance. Well, then don't read it. You know, or you don't <laughs> like horror, you know, and they do. Right. <laughs> so, and then, but they put a bad review on, you know, and that's even mm-hmm. when I was an agent and I would tell people that, you know, people would write, you know, when you make a movie, it's very difficult and it costs a lot of money and it's a lot of time and a lot of really hard work to get it out there and distributed. And then you have a critic that'll go, this movie is horrible, don't go see it. That's one person, and one person that says that could ruin it for a movie. And, you know, and that's what's terrible about reviews. And maybe the the reviewer didn't even finish the movie because who knows if they did or didn't even see the movie. They could have seen just, you know, snippets of it or whatever. And this is what it's hard for people now to try to move past that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I think it's very hard for actors, too, because the best thing that ever happened to actors now is Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, because these mm-hmm. people that would have no place to go and do movies because they were over mm-hmm. a certain age or they weren't out for a while, they'd be gone. But now mm-hmm. they're in the game again. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting for I don't them, know. I'm sure. I don't know what you guys think, but I, I guess I just think maybe not focus so much, you know, to, to authors that are out there and feeling discouraged about reviews, to not focus so much on the reviews and just work on the new project. I agree. That's what, that's what I you know. This is, right, this, is my, this is what I really believe, and that's the truth. I've been talking about this a lot lately, is the more you write, the better it is because you're actually writing exactly. because you love to yeah. write. You love to write, mm-hmm. and and there's hardly anybody that I've ever talked to loves marketing that is a writer. But we have to do it, and you know. And yeah. sometimes I've had a lot of writers on, and sometimes you'll be surprised that some of these people they're and they're fabulous. They don't care about reviews. They don't look at that, and they keep yeah. writing. And that 
that's the mm-hmm. answer to keep writing. Mm-hmm. You're right, and that is right because I never even used to look on Amazon that much to see all of this. And then mm-hmm. sometimes, like I look, I looked on something on Goodreads, and I went, "What?" I mean, I got. I didn't even know it was there. It was like three years ago. It was not a bad review, but it was a you know I was I found something and I was yeah. like oh I didn't even know I had it because I you know mm-hmm. I tried my best to really want to do Goodreads but as I always say on my show I can't seem to get it together there but I think that that's the thing you have to write because we all love it mm-hmm. if you if you don't love right. it you shouldn't do it exactly you know, I mean I, right. And I totally agree with what you just said is because the more we think about these things, the less we write. It's like we're addicted. It's like we're all addicted. You know, I feel sometimes like I'm addicted at night. Like sometimes I'll go on and go, okay, fine, I'm just going to scroll down, see what's going on for the day. And it's like two hours later, I'm thinking, what did I just do that is really beneficial to anything that matters? And then I think, mm-hmm. you know, writing, oh, you know, because there's so many people out there that are writing sad stuff. You know, you're saying you're sorry. You don't even know these people, but you feel bad. And I'm thinking, this can't be good for people. This cannot be good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think mm-hmm. you're right. Just keep writing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's yeah. the answer to this, is mm-hmm. not care about it. You know, somebody yeah, asked me, which I don't yeah, you can't. You know, I wanted to, do you, are you on Author Central and either of you? Somebody was asking me to talk about Author Central ever, you know, and nobody ever talks about it. We don't, I've never, do you have any comments on, on that, it. either um, of you? I, I, I don't find it, like, I don't have a lot on there other than it's just kind of like, almost like a fancier version of, uh, you know, your your web page on, on Amazon and that you can, like, put more things, but, yeah. I don't. I don't feel like it's a thing I interact with on a regular basis. I don't know if Kristen has something different, but I just kind of do it and then tend to forget about it. Kristen, yeah, what same about here. You? Yeah, same here. I just kind of put a little something. Sometimes I'll put a playlist because I'm very influenced oh, by music when I'm writing. So sometimes I'll put yeah. something like that. But no, I gotta that's get. Good. I gotta get better with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what There's, you know. Every day I go, I have to get better with this, better with that. But then I go like at the end of the day, I go, oh, I don't even care about this. So I think. Why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's exactly. really the case. Yeah, I think right. it is. And I think, you know, because a lot of people listen to the show, you know, that are writers. And I, you know, the goal of my of me having these shows is basically to keep people writing. Mm-hmm. Because they stop writing. And we, you know, like we're talking about old times. And I think like a lot of, you know, whatever story you have, if it's a good story, just put it out there. Don't hold it in you. Put it out and don't worry about the reviews or about what mm-hmm. people are saying about it because you never know. Somebody could pick it up as a movie. I mean, you just, nobody knows. Right. right. You know, and you don't know I think that's will come down the line to you after that too. You know, like yeah. when you write this mm-hmm. thing that, you, that you've just done, you, two stories down the road might be the story that you, that you didn't even know you really wanted to tell. So you, but if you don't keep going, then you won't know. Yeah. So yeah, and there seems what, to be such a push too for people who are writing that maybe aren't published. Um, there seems to be such a push to like if you're getting you know con- the contract or putting the book out there, it's like getting the keys to the executive washroom. Like what's behind those doors? <laughs> and, and I always say like you know this, this before you have a Good book out it, in the world. 
<laughs> yeah, before you have a book in the world is the, the last time that you will have complete freedom with your creativity to write whatever you want. Because once reviews and other people start putting their two cents in, you never are completely 100% free when you're being creative because there's always a little voice saying, oh, wait, remember, though. That one guy didn't like that, or oh, remember that one book reviewer? You know, or don't do that. You're making her too young, or don't. You know, there's always a yep. little something in the back. You know, whereas with a critique right. group, I, I find with the critique group, I could sooner filter what they would say easier because I knew them, and I'd be like, well, I know so and so prefers more action, or this person likes more romance, so I would see what they said through the filter. With the reviewers, you mm-hmm. don't know anything about them. Yeah, and so you they know, would kind and, of sit on my know, I always forgot. <laughs> I almost forgot to talk about something which I put on my list, but that I naturally didn't talk about it. Okay, I have an article in EYS Magazine, and it's about independently published authors. You know, I had Fidelity Mm -hmm. Publishing, I had Melissa Smith, and Fran Lewis as a reviewer, and because there's so many people independently publishing. So I think that there's it's really a good market. You can have a very successful career, and you make all your own choices. It's very hard because there's a lot of work to do to get it edited and everything. But honestly, people, there is, years ago there was nothing people could do if the big publisher didn't pick mm-hmm. them up. Now they have a choice. So I think that um, those are the things that, and even some of the, which I've heard a lot, that a lot of the people that are in, with major publishing houses, they are writing independently. And probably you might not even know mm-hmm. about it. They could make another name up, so you don't even know who they are. You know, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but I think independently published books are fine. And I think once the stigma goes away and some of these people get out there more, because if you look at the publisher and a lot of these bestsellers, that they're independents. And people, because people that read your books, they don't care who you are published with. They only want to know if it's a good book. They don't care. They just want to read a good book. They don't care. They don't even know. There's so many small publishers you wouldn't know anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. They just want to read you know, so, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So I think that any people listening out there, just keep writing. And I do think, Jen, what you said is right. It's really about the writing because that's what... I keep saying, and Kristen, we talked about that, and I talk about that with Fidelity and I, Robin, and I talk about that with Melissa and Fran Lewis, all these people, we talk about the same things. You want a good story. Like when Fran mm-hmm. Lewis is reviewing, she wants to read a good story. She's not looking first for the publisher. She's looking at a good story. That's the thing, mm-hmm. that people have to write. Mm-hmm. Actually, the name of this show used to be It's a Good Story, It's a Good Story, because a manager I had years ago told me, just write a good story. And that's like right. like what we're talking about now. Like with all of the old things that we were talking about, Falcon Crest and all, they all had good characters and they wrote. And they're, right now people are still, there's something to it if people are still watching it after all these years. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what matters. You know, I'm sure people that did Falcon Crest never had any idea that like 20 years later, people are going to be watching the series. Because who right. knew about that then? You know, they didn't know but that they were going to be on Netflix. There was no Netflix. You know, So I think that because of that, a lot of us out here can do, you know, things that we never could do before. Yeah, we're yeah, really well, looking at that way. Mary Tyler Moore. I mean, that show it still has a huge, huge fan base. 
I've said, yeah, I, sometimes I watch some of those, and, you know, there's so many. You know, that's what the good thing is about, you know, Netflix, and they have Amazon, too. They have all these old movies and old series that are really good that people are actually mm-hmm. enjoying. So, I mean, it's one good mm-hmm. thing for writers now that it doesn't matter what year your book was. See, I always have on my show, I talk about this so many times, is that if the libraries would be a little nicer to people and a lot of the places that sell books to not only want the new book, but what about the book someone did five years ago that's a great story? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would help yeah. everybody, don't you think? I mean, instead of saying mm-hmm. what's new, it's not always about mm-hmm. what's new. It's about the mm-hmm. story. Jen, how do you feel about that before we end up today? How oh, do you yeah. feel about that yeah. when they're always saying new? Definitely. Yes, it's, it's true, especially when I like go and I'm rereading something that was, was written you know, a, a while ago. I think a lot of it's just a space thing. And I think with bookstores, it's like so much of that of what we see is new is it's because it's controlled by the marketing. Where it's yeah. kind of nice to yeah. go to the library or you know, a, a bookstore that has, you know, mixed, new, and used, because you can really find all kinds of cool stuff that it's not just so much driven by. It's like why we, like at the airport, you can only find, like, the same 10 offers, you know. Right, um, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. You're right. You know, so, yeah, so it, it is it is how it is, but the nice thing with the with our whole ebook market is you can find something that was published you know, a while ago, and as long as it's on ebook, you can always find it. It doesn't have to just be what happens to be on the shelf at that particular time. Right. I mean, and yeah. and I think that's what people need to know out there when they're writing, that just put put it out there. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody ever knows what's going to be a big success. I don't think they know that. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I really don't. You know, it would be nice if we could just see the future and see if it's going to be, but you don't know that. Right. Like yep. you, uh, I think Kristen mentioned something to talk about also, First Lady. First Lady. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? No. Then no, it's a, good. It's, it's a yeah. Oh. It's a series. Okay, where it's on. Um, oh, it's, oh. Is that the one with Michelle Pfeiffer and um, the, it's, it's about well, yeah, Betty, Ford Betty Ford and Eleanor Roosevelt Miss- and. Um, What's the third Michelle one? Obama. Oh, yeah, okay. Michelle Obama. Oh, cool. It's very good. Okay. It's so good to see. You know, and I think that's a, that's what's also interesting is when you watch things like that, you are seeing the past. I mean, we can't go further until we see what the past was about because we don't want to go back in time. Mm-hmm. That's what's right. important, especially people mm-hmm. out there now not going back. We have to go forward. This is 2022. Mm-hmm. We need to go forward, not backward, but we also have to look at some of the things that happened years ago to say, no, we don't want that. And the people mm-hmm. that have worked so hard to make it a good world, we need to keep it going, not go back in time. And that's what mm-hmm. I think, you know, when they show the First Lady, and we'll also watch I was Gaslit. Did you see that one? Gaslit. It's like no. Um, no. Shaw, oh, yeah, Sean Penn is in it and um, um, Julia Roberts. She's playing Martha Mitchell. Oh, yes. Very- I, it's, it's the new one out, right? It's pretty, yeah. After the first one, I'm going like, hmm, well, I like this, and it really is good. 
you're watching Watergate and what happened at Watergate. So I think the I think a lot of the producers now and directors they're putting stuff out there so so people can see what happened in the past. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. There's so much more freedom though. That's the good thing. There's freedom to put a lot of things out there. That you know, because a lot of people are producing things now. There's tons and a lot of women producers out there, which is great. For you know mm-hmm. a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, is there anything you want to bring up? Anybody have anything else they would like to talk about? No. We should talk about your book for a minute, Trope. You want to talk about that for a second? Because I think that would help people about deciding Uh, how to do characters. Yeah. Uh, Sure. I just um, try to look at tropes as um, a way to construct characters. And at least when I'm working on stories, I, I really understood that tropes can really help us. We don't. It's not a thing we have to be afraid of because they can. They, our our readers instinctively know what what tropes are, and then we can take that idea of what a trope is, like best friend, and we can make that character very specific. So it's not just a generic best friend. It's somebody that you know has all these really specific characteristics, so they feel like oh, that's their next door neighbor or something. Um, so I guess the point of the book was just to try to um, have authors maybe think about leaning into tropes and not being afraid of them because pretty much any story out there has tropes in it. It's just a degree of how well it's done, whether you can recognize it or not. Like really great books have tropes in it, but you're not going to go, oh, that has tropes in it because you're just so enamored with all these other parts of the story. So I just have felt it helpful with my own work and with helping other authors do plotting to just think about ways to use them and be more mindful of, of how they're used out in our movies and books. So, yeah. Now, when you're that's, writing that's kind of yourself, when you're, when you're writing, mm-hmm. do you have, mm-hmm. you know, because you've got so much knowledge about tropes, does that, uh-huh. is that an enhancer? Does that maybe uh-huh. sometimes get you more, you know, where, because you're really thinking well, about it? Yeah, I am really thinking about it, but I also don't, um, I mean, I still, you know how I still have to, like, face the blank page like everybody else. So um, when I get stuck with something, I'll think, think, oh, well, well, what are some other characteristics of this person? And then I'll start thinking about tropes. So it's not like I can, like, sit down and just dash stuff off, sadly. That would be awesome. So when you're writing, writing, do you, like, as mm -hmm. you write the story, Mm -hmm. you realize that's a trope and you put it down as a characteristic then, Um, then once it's happened? Yeah, well, actually, what I do when I'm thinking about writing a story is when I start to use tropes or when I'm, like, outlining. So uh, I'm huge into the goal, motivation, and conflict and realizing how important that is. And so I I try to kind of, like, um, seesaw between tropes and goal, motivation, and conflict for my characters and, like, figuring out what, how I can make those two things linked. And And I try to use, like, at least three tropes for each of the characters, and then also as, like, personality tropes. And then I'll also, if there's any kind of romance element, then I'll think about, oh, is it, you know, opposite attracts or friends to lovers or enemies to lovers or love triangle. Because, like, almost every story you read, to some degree or another, is going to have some relationship trope in it. I mean, it's hard to think of a story that doesn't have any relationship trope in it that has. Right. Even between parent about and child person. and whatever, parent and child right, or right. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's um, so I just kind of try to um, I guess I almost think of it kind of like as knitting of of 
kind of pulling those those two things together as I work. Yeah. All right. That's. I mean, I think it's very interesting to because it's what people, you know, they know in their head, but they don't maybe realize what their that is, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. so yeah. I think that's you know if you you know sometimes when we're we're writing, you're not thinking about a lot of things, but sometimes when right, you realize right. you see a problem right there, you probably figure out well what where where are we here? Yeah, I think that's a lot of times you don't think about those things. You know, right. you just know you might have a problem, but maybe you don't have a, as big a problem as you thought until you, when you really sit and right. think about what's really happening at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of times when I get stuck, yeah, it's like realizing, oh, I need to make a connection stronger earlier. Okay. If I'm that's stuck. Uh, yeah, and to make the connection. So kind of, mm-hmm. And Kristen, do you want to talk a little bit about anything you'd like to talk about, like something we're going to be doing together here on Beach Reads? <laughs> you want to talk about that? Our next yes, I'm endeavor, so endeavor. Next, next, our endeavor is uh, about beach reads. Go ahead. Do you want to say a little bit about it? Yes. I mean, I think um, in the summertime when we have a little bit more time, and especially with the last two years, we need a little escapism with, you know, sweet either romance or beach reads, you know, something fun, escapist that, you know, you can just kind of take off the ickiness of the day and end the day with a really nice, comforting book that has, you know, a little bit of hope and maybe a little fantasy and escapism. You know, I like books that, you know, are in like cute small towns, little beach towns, lake towns, someplace I'd want to go on vacation, you know, with maybe a strong sense of family and, of course, you know, some kind of romance, sweep you off your feet type of thing, you know. I read what I like to write, basically. Yeah, you know, that's a good thing to say, yeah, right, because I find myself now, because I always write about Chicago and whatever, I find myself moving toward, you know, some more quiet space where it's like a different, you know, like not Chicago, <laughs> like it's like Lake Geneva or just where it's a, like a resort type. It's hard for me because I live in Chicago that I want, because I tried before, but I think I got there now. So I think after all these years, I can get there. But it's hard because, you know, if you live in Chicago, New York, L.A., any of those places, it's hard to always situate yourself in a small situation in a town, but it does seem very relaxing and calming. Even though things Mm -hmm. happen now, like, you know, to them anyway, but it's just in a different atmosphere. So I think... That's going to probably be a fun show on beach reads, you know, because people need to yeah. get away and think about it. So I think we're going to, I think we're having that in a couple of weeks, and um, we're starting that. So that should be fun. That's our next yeah, we're gonna have, project. Um, yeah, we're oh, going to have YA author and rom-com author Stephanie Scott on, and hopefully a lot more, you know, beach read authors on as well as we go through the summer. Oh, and I'm just excited. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun, I think we're going to have fun doing that, you know. It's something different. You know, we talk about that, it's called uh, It's All About Love, and uh, I think we'll be talking, I used to do a lot of shows about that, but I do think there's an audience for, you know, that type of market that just wants to read about other people's problems, not think of their own. (laughs) I think this is a good thing (laughs) right now. All right, so this has been a fun show. Does anybody have anything else to say before we leave? I, you know. We're not in the same room, so sometimes I always think that somebody might want to say something, and that's it. So anything left undone? All I want to say nope. is I'm curious what your beach reads are going to be now. Okay. Okay. All right. I think we picked a day on that, right? We got it. I got it in my camera. I'll tell you exactly when that is. Um, 
I have, let's see, when do we put that in? Oh, Beach Reads is on June 9th is our first one, right? Yeah, Beach Reads. That's cool. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And then um, I'm having a show next week with John Skip. He's a horror writer with Elizabeth Black, and he's got mm-hmm. a lot of books. And, yeah, and uh, even the horror writers, so when I say that, don't shy away from that because we talk about writing <laughs> and just different yeah, things. It's yeah. not only horror. Yeah, she, Elizabeth, when she brings all these people, she's a horror writer, and it's so interesting, you know, because everybody, I love if horror, I say it too much, oh, then, oh, then you should listen because all, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, oh, I have a ton of those shows lately because she's really good with that. <laughs> So oh, uh, she brings all these guests on, and they're they're so oh. interesting. And it's you know people always think oh horror writers oh no no, <laughs> but that's not true. But you know, no. and Beach Reads will start on the ninth, so that's going to be fun, and uh, we'll continue that on because I think we just people just sometimes want a little simple, sweet story mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. life. Right? Mm-hmm. There we go. Okay. All right. Okay, and all of you, both of your links are on the show page. So if you're looking for Jennifer or you're looking for Kristen, it's on the show page. Or if you want to find them separately and you don't know where to find them, let me know at MarciaCasperCook.com. And that's it. So, and everybody have a safe weekend and be safe. It's, I can't believe it's Memorial Day weekend already. This is what happens this summer is going to go fast. Once, once we get to Memorial Day, then it's July 4th, and then fast yep especially when you live in chicago (laughs) we like the summer (laughs) we're just getting it now all right so take care everybody and have a great night bye-bye thank you bye-bye